the private sector will have to take it to the next level. And mm-hmm. we identified it back in uh, 2016 uh, and said, this is the opportunity. We can be, to some degree, that SpaceX of weather. Uh, and thankfully, today, thanks to cloud computing with HPC specifically, you can run models on the cloud. Thanks to the fact that uh, uh, the scientific community is more familiar with modeling, you can create your own models. And thanks to space technologies, you can create sensors like what we're doing. We're doing basically all of it. Uh, and you can really push the envelope on the science. And that's that's what we're doing. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Lomitech, and sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and Birthright Excel and in media partnership with CTEC. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders, and today we're going to be talking about tomorrow. Welcome Shimon Elkabetz, the CEO of Tomorrow.io. Shimon served in the Israeli Air Force for 11 years in several managerial and commanding positions. Multiple near-death weather-related experiences during his service stoked a fascination with the weather, that little things that affect us all. He's also passionate about soccer and can recall any statistic whether you ask him to or not. Shimon holds a BA in economics from Ben Gurion University and an MBA from Harvard Business School. Shimon Elkabetz, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Thank you very, very much for letting me host you on the show. I, I am so excited about what you're working on with Tomorrow.io, uh, literally you know, helping us understand our world better, how it's impacting businesses, and, and talking about weather altogether through deep technology. I think it's, it's just a fascinating lens. And so I, I'd love to d- dive deep into how, how you, you know, got into this domain and how you've figured the integration of technology with, with our world. Uh, but I'd also love to hear a little bit about yourself. So tell me a little bit about your own journey uh, following into Tomorrow.io. Great. Uh, so obviously, uh, I grew up in Israel, uh, in a moshav, uh, uh, in the Galil, family of farmers. Uh, I went to the Israeli Air Force and spent about 11 years uh, had the military career, uh, mostly as a commander and strategic planner. And um, at some point when I decided uh, to pursue a different career, it was very clear to me that the tech industry and specifically startups is what, is what I'm excited about. Um, I was trying to kind of like um, think about the biggest challenges uh, I encountered, and there were many, many of them during during my service. Um, I went to Harvard Business School right after uh, I left the military um, and reunited with good friends, Ray Goffer and Ty Zlotnik, uh, over there in Boston. And um, we all shared very unique uh, experience related uh, to weather. It was a very personal uh, experience about how weather was challenging us on a daily basis during our military service from a tactical Mm. level to operational management level and even a strategic level that we had an understanding how how it really impacts every aspect of the operations. What we did over there in Boston is we spent many months uh, learning the industry, learning the the landscape, the technology, how it works, why the solutions that we had in place in a relatively mild weather country such as Israel uh, wasn't sufficient enough. And we learned about 
you know, the status quo. And we were amazed. We learned <clears throat> that uh, there is a significant technology impact and business opportunity. Uh, and that's how we, started, we set, decided to, to start a company. Um, at the beginning, was very focused on a specific technique. But uh, all along the way, we knew that the, the big mission is that we can create a huge impact in times of climate change and build a technology powerhouse that will help the world drive more accurate weather forecasts and better decision-making. And over the years, we evolved our technology stack and product to where we are today. So that's how I got to uh, doing what I'm doing today. So talking a little bit more critically about weather, wh- why, is, why is it so important for us to understand weather on a scale, not just for, for farmers or for, on a military basis, but, but why is it something that may be relevant for things that are not so trivial? If you could give me some examples. For sure. First of all, we need to understand that uh, climate change is here. And the impact of climate change is that weather events are going to be more extreme and more frequent. It's already happening. Uh, I don't know if in the past, you know, Israel had so many disasters related to floods, like what happened in Tel Aviv a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. what happened in the south uh, with a class of students uh, two and a half years ago. These are things we didn't see in our own country. So now take this very uh, small example and, and look at the global scale. A couple of weeks ago, we had phenomenal and unbelievable uh, uh, flood events in Germany, then in the UK, in China, in India. And uh, basically what we're saying is that the majority of the businesses in every country is going to have to deal with the impact of climate change. And... Um, we're saying that you know we're not trying to prevent climate change from happening it's 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 a different scope of problem to solve but what we're saying is that we're already in the era of consequences right and every business from restaurants here in boston that cannot serve customers outdoor if it's a rainy weekend hmm. uh to insurance companies that have much bigger payouts uh to on demand companies that see spikes in demand because of the weather and people sit more at home instead of going to do deliveries, to autonomous vehicles and, and drones that need to reroute based on uh, local weather uh, conditions, it's impacting almost everything. Um, and now that you understand that it's impacting so many things, you need to understand that you have to put systems in place. Why? Because without systems in place, you cannot manage that challenge proactively. And the systems in place, the way we call it is weather intelligence. It's more accurate and hyper-local weather forecast, but also software, automation, insights to help you make the decision in the right time. And if you can, automate the decision process and not, not, not have a manual process. Um, so it's really endless in terms of the customers we're, we're targeting. It's so many verticals. One of the challenges we have as a company is that there are too many domains from <laughs> transportation, aviation, shipping, rails, to utilities and renewables, to insurance companies, on-demand, sports and outdoor, um, more than we can go after, I would say. Now, obviously, you know, we've been getting weather forecasts for dozens of years, you know, uh, whether it's uh, local through the local news stations or whether it's through obviously online, you know, what's what's wrong with what's been happening until now? Because it's, it, it gives the impression of being very local when in every city we have our own local weatherman or weather woman. Yeah. 
So uh, I don't know how many people are aware of the fact that to generate a weather forecast, you need to observe weather with weather stations, radars, and such. Then you need a model where into which you assimilate the observations, and then you need a powerful computing to basically process the model. The output of the model is a weather forecast. All of that value chain is done traditionally by governmental agencies, namely NOAA uh, in the US, ECMWF in Europe, the Met Office in the UK. These are, you know, NOAA is not far away from the size of NASA. This is a significant right. investment in infrastructure. How many technology domains do you know that are still led end-to-end by governmental agencies? Even in, in space, NASA has started to outsource a lot of its work to SpaceX and other companies. And that has to happen. The innovation is very much limited. A lot was done. Don't get me wrong. The countries, the, those countries, the Europe and, 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 and the US have, have done a lot to promote science. But like in every domain we're seeing, the private sector will have to take it to the next level. And mm-hmm. we identified it back in uh, 2016 uh, and said, this is the opportunity. We can be to some degree that SpaceX of weather. Uh, and thankfully, today, thanks to cloud computing with HPC specifically, you can run models on the cloud. Thanks to the fact that uh, uh, the scientific community is more familiar with modeling, you can create your own models. And thanks to space technologies, you can create sensors like what we're doing. We're doing basically all of it. Uh, and you can really push the envelope on the science. And that's that's what we're doing um, a- a- as a company. And why wasn't it... Uh, Good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's not good. It has done a long way since the beginning. But the problem is that even a country like Israel uh, doesn't have reliable radar to understand what's happening in real time. The forecast we're using in Israel is actually the European global model. Israel is not running its own model mm. that is local to Israel. Now we have a pretty mild weather, but in the winter, it becomes more challenging. So right. uh, most of the world doesn't have reliable real-time information and forecast. And that's a big challenge that we're going after. Now, did you know, you know, while you were doing HBS and you were going around, you know, your own career, did you know that you're going to end up dealing tackling the weather, weather forecasting issues? Or is this something that you came across as part of an ideation process with your co-founders? So um, I was very familiar with the problem, and it's something that, you know, throughout my military service, you know, was, was very challenging. Uh, I will lie if I say that during my service, I said, I'm going to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. I had no idea how to solve that problem. But when we met in Boston and we shared stories about it and started doing the research and identifying some technologies we can start as a hook with, I was amazed that... In this situation, the government still created technology and the industry is basically repackaging the governmental forecast. Nobody really pushed the envelope. Yes, there are big brands. We all use them in the apps and in our Mm -hmm. phones and such, but they never really created a a unique technology of of unique sensors and unique models. They just repackaged the outputs of the governmental forecast. And when I saw that, and when I, uh, together with my, my friends, when we learned about the impact of climate change and what it's going to do, the, the collision of the two was something has to be done. Something has to be done so we can have more accurate weather forecast in the world. We can bridge that gap of lack of coverage in many, many countries. Um, 
and and we can create a software solution to manage those challenges and we're doing both so what are some non-trivial questions that you're observing your customers asking you know more tangibly things that they perhaps weren't able to ask before to the traditional weather forecasting mechanisms what what questions are they now now able to ask using your new technology so um the most basic uh, change in innovation that that we did is that If until today, uh, our customers had to uh, have no solution, just use apps or, mm-hmm. or the, watch the weather channel, or in the best case, use a meteorology support via the phone mm-hmm. or stationing a meteorologist on, on the customer location and asking, hey, well, what will be the weather? Uh, today, uh, our customers, let's look at the example of the NFL, they get business insights. They get a calendar view. That tells them, "Hey, in this stadium and that game, that's what you need to do. The game will be pushed. You should cancel this game. The fans will experience the following right or what not. A city will get, "Hey, flood event is going to happen in this place. You should open the sewer edge, and that's what you should do. So we're translating road data to insights via software, and we automate that so you can even use data feed an API to your own systems. You don't need even a man in the loop. If, if you want to go that far as some customers do that um, and it's uh, it's it's a significant change so for them it's like okay until today I used to consume raw weather data or talk to someone now everybody in my organization is empowered to make decisions and they see what's going to be the impact Right. Now, walk me through, you know, from a founder's perspective, you know, you're building this technology and now you're looking for some use cases of, of companies that may be interested of in leveraging this data. What, what is the reception like right, right from the beginning when before you're well known, before, before you've proven yourself time and time again, what, what is the process that you have to go through look like? Look, at the beginning, um, the people were very skeptic. Um, First, let's think about the investors. Um, yeah, there's no way we could start this company in ecosystem that is not the US. In Israel, we would never even get a seed round mm-hmm. for, for, for the type of mission and idea. And we tried. Uh, we just we wouldn't have any chance. You know, now we raised 200 million dollars because mm-hmm. I think uh, there's more appetite to solving big, real-life problems in the US. Uh, specifically in the Silicon Valley. Um, with customers, some of them were skeptic. I remember our first customer, JetBlue. Um, we were meeting them and they said, listen, let's do a pilot, but we don't believe you can actually help us. But go start in Boston Logan. Uh, if you solve this problem and you help us be more efficient and safer in this airport, it, it goes a long way for us. And, you know, today we're serving all of the JetBlue airports in the world. Uh, we're doing the same Incredible. thing uh, with Delta. Incredible. Um, and at uh, the beginning, people were skeptic. Can you really push the envelope on, on weather? No, but everybody's saying the same thing. Everybody's wrong. But when you, when you teach people to use insights and to automate it and not to rely on apps and non-professional data and understand that if they put systems in place and they trust uh, a partner like us To give them data they can rely on and insight they can act on, then even if you don't change accuracy by a lot, you create a significant business ROI. So the challenge for us is to focus the customer 
on the business decision process, on, on the ROI they generate, and not on is it more accurate or less accurate, because this is just an input to the decision you need to make eventually. 100%. Now, what, what is really the, the leap or, or the differentiator here that you've brought with you to Tomorrow.io that, that is really the differentiator that pretty much no other agency in the world was able to accomplish with dozens of years ahead of you? So don't, don't get me wrong. Everything we're doing as a standalone can be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not, let, let's, uh, I'm not eliminating yeah. myself and saying, hey, we did something nobody else can. It's a matter of choosing a strategy and going after it. And the strategy we took was to build a vertically integrated business model. And the vertically integrated business model is comprised of three or four elements. One is sensing, observing the weather in a way that wasn't done until today. And in that context, we're launching our own satellites. We're going to cover the world with active radars to sense weather. Why the government didn't do it? Because low orbit and small satellites technology wasn't available and the government cycle of planning is very slow. In the next decade, the government will still launch major satellites. Each of them cost $3 billion. Our entire constellation that covers every point on Earth will cost about $100 million. So that's one thing. The second thing is modeling. The government is not supposed to solve business problem. Specifically, the U.S. Uh, uh, agency, NOAA, is incentivized to solve the taxpayer problems and save save people's lives. So they run a local model in high resolution and a global model uh, with relatively low resolution. The fact that we run our own models on, on the cloud enables us to fine-tune the resolution and choose whatever a parameter to focus on. So if we work with Aeromexico, for example, in Mexico, and they tell us they have a lot of diversions because fog in the air, in the airport, we say, okay, we will fine-tune the model to solve the fog problem for you. So we can customize and configure the modeling capability. And then the, the, the third and fourth elements are the software. Instead of using a people support uh, and, and, and you know apps and, and, and things like that, we're saying, listen, we built Microsoft Excel for weather, a template for every job, every vertical, you can have your own tabs. You can build your own dashboard that will tell you what to do instead of looking at the weather data. And it will provide you the business insights. Now, when you look at this end-to-end approach, more accurate sensing with global coverage, models that solve the problem with hyper-local capability, and software solution that provides business insights, this is very powerful. And I think it's very hard to replicate that entire approach. It takes a lot of time, a lot of knowledge, right. a great team, and, and a lot of money, to be honest. And, and it sounds like at the end, you're, you're, it's all about also shifting the strategy and, and helping, helping create a new narrative for what questions should be asked and what questions are relevant for, for the different business cases and helping them not just you know, leverage the, the, existing, the existing information that we have for existing questions, but leveraging similar information in a different way to consume it in a different strategy. And I think that that's, that, that's really inter- an interesting approach that you've taken. And I really appreciate you coming and sharing your time and, and sharing it with me. But, but uh, Shimon, I would really love to take a step back and go back to your, your childhood a little bit and, and hear a little bit about what really fascinated you growing up. What really sparked your curiosity, you know, before the army, before HBS, before tomorrow IO. So I remember growing up and being very passionate about um, starting my own business since I remember myself. And I remember uh, I have also a big passion for graphic design. I'm a terrible graphic designer, <laughs> but 
You know, I was using Photoshop since I was uh, 11, and it's very uncommon for uh, uh, someone who grew up in a Moshav, in a village. Uh, and I just remember myself, you know, creating logos and imagining business stuff. And, and then, you know, I embarked on my military career and completely forgot it. But eventually, as, as a child, it was something I was always passionate about, building something that creates value for people. And gladly... Amazing. Uh, I'm very proud of the mission of the company, and that's what keeps me up uh, and motivated. I love it. And what, what inspires you today? So it would tangibly within this mission, what really is your source of inspiration as you, you know, wake up every day, work so hard, continue to, to lead this company forward? Um, honestly, uh, three things. Uh, one is the employees. I really want every employee that joins our company and is part of the, the mission to have a good experience and a good outcome. Um, I'm not talking about financial outcome, but really uh, progressing the career. And uh, I work really hard mostly because of the employees. Um, the second thing is the customers and the impact of what the company is doing. It would have been very hard for me to work in a company that is doing what I call P2P, privilege to privilege solutions. Uh, I think what we're doing about improving climate security for the world, helping countries have better weather forecasts, helping federal agencies like the U.S. Air Force make better decisions, helping, uh, you know, uh, Delta fly safer. This is important. This is about helping farmers in India. Uh, uh, these are the things we're doing. And, and that, that is very much motivating. And the last thing I'll say is the investors, um, you know, they believed in the mission. They backed us when climate change wasn't a big thing and weather technology seemed like, you know, something for crazy uh, folks to think of. And, and I want it to be a good outcome for them as well. <laughs> Perfect. Wonderful. And what are three words that you would, that you would use to describe yourself? Um, it's very hard, but uh, I think uh, execution very detailed around around that um i would say also uh um mission because that's really what's what's driving me and my my motivation and three sports i'm a huge sports uh, sports geek and and Amazing. if you want to if you want to become my friend just talk to me about soccer <laughs> and we'll find a way I love Unless it. Unless you're on the wrong side, then. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then, then it's a quick way to become an enemy. Shimon, thank you very, very much. This is wonderful. Best of luck with tomorrow, Io. Thank you for all the great work that you're doing. Uh, I just Appreciate love this it. integration of technology in our planet and the world uh, and helping businesses make better decisions and stay safe and stay healthy. 